Part Twelve of the Blue Review, Volume One, Number One, edited by John Middleton Murray. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Georgian Music by W. Dennis Brown, The Balfour Gardener Concerts. The second series of Balfour Gardener Concerts ought to have convinced the public at last that the young generation of composers must be taken seriously. At the four concerts that have recently been given, we have heard a number of orchestral works by a group of writers, who, if they have not at present sufficient cohesion to be called a school, are well on the way to found one in the near future, provided only they have the necessary determination and patience. It is not at first sight an easy problem to trace the descent of the family of composers that has suddenly appeared in our midst. At the end of the nineteenth century, the sole hopes of English music were Stamford, Parry, whose last work, an admirable symphony, was played at the first of these concerts, and Elgar. There had been no musician of note since the days of Sterndale Bennett, except Sullivan, and there was little actual musical life in the country outside the chief national institutions. As a matter of fact, we were at this time prostrate under the crushing weight of the Brahms cult, with its attendant formality and Teutonic heaviness, and it was not until well on in the twentieth century that we were able to free ourselves from the toils of a music which a French critic could only desperately describe as d'une pudeur d'éléphante qui se déshabille. Having no music of our own, we did obeisance before this god, following him blindly and unreasoningly. It is not to be wondered at that our national stagnation increased instead of diminishing. The training of a musician at this period included harmony, taught first, and counterpoint, taught second, an order of teaching which had a particular bearing on subsequent developments. A pupil learned naturally to attach more importance to the earlier study than to the second, that is, he learnt from the first to think in chords, or vertically, instead of in melodies, or horizontally, and this attitude was helped by the comparative decadence of singing and by the ubiquity of the pianoforte. Such a training would render a young musician particularly susceptible to the influence of a movement that was soon to make itself felt on the continent. Debussy and others were experimenting with harmony for its own sake, and writing music which depended for its effect solely on the juxtaposition of unresolved discords. Strauss was working on somewhat similar lines in Germany, Puccini in Italy. It was not surprising that young British composers, tired of Brahms and estranged from counterpoint, should fall an easy prey to music which was both easier, when you had your models, and more exciting to produce than dry fugues and sonatas. They did indeed fall an easy prey, and some of them, like Cyril Scott, have not yet struggled out of the toils. Others, however, have just escaped, and some of these we have lately been hearing. But the harm that has been done by borrowing French and other foreign methods is very real. It is one of the greatest disasters that has ever happened to music. I mean the blow that has been dealt to counterpoint. If counterpoint and the logical habit of mind that counterpoint implies are taken away from us, the highest potentialities of music will be lost for ever. 
among our young composers percy granger can still write counterpoint and it is for that reason that he is so virile and direct but his compositions which have been so far only in the smaller forms when he gets away from folk songs are merely and shockingly sentimental one very important thing however he has done and that is to show once more that no instrument can equal the human voice in expressiveness when it is allowed to vocalise freely unhampered by words the old monks knew it when they introduced wordless melismata into plain chant the italians knew it in the eighteenth century when they improvised refioritoras during an operatic aria they knew something else too they not only made their singers study composition but they made their composers study singing this is partly because we have forgotten how to sing that our composers are being led off into harmonic vagaries as artificial as they will eventually be meaningless as long as they are content to borrow the latest thing in harmony from abroad and to fit it on to english ideas that have no relation to it counterpoint being cast to the four winds so long will the balanced judgment of posterity find their works as fruitless and ineffective as we to-day should find a work composed entirely of a succession of diminished sevenths harmonic music relied originally on the effects produced by relief following on tension i e a resolution following a discord modern harmonic music however it has recently been said is not based on this principle at all but on the theory that no discord necessarily implies a resolution this is a stage of development that has not yet been reached in england where most of our composers have only got as far as working on a basis of cheating the ear of its expected resolution by a continued series of discords the tension thus created being artificially prolonged until the composer sees fit as he generally does to relax it at the conclusion of the phrase the fullest development of the theory is to be seen in bossoni and schoenberg who this is important have returned to a way of thinking that is very definitely contrapuntal the curious result of their experiments is that their harmonies produced quite secondarily and accidentally through the aid of counterpoint are infinitely more varied and interesting than the intentional and primarily produced harmonies of the french school when percy granger therefore is contrapuntal as in green bushes and molly on the shore he is clear and forcible and harmonically interesting as well when as in the inuit he relies solely on harmonies for his effect he is no better than a mid-victorian hymn-writer a somewhat similar combination of strength and weakness is to be seen in vaughan williams he has a stronger personality and a greater power of continuous musical thought than most of his contemporaries instead of doing what the music wants him to do he makes it do what he wants himself and the result though sometimes a little rough is invariably a definite expression of the thought behind it in the fantasia on christmas carols when the chorus are singing contrapuntally against the solo voice or each other the effect is strong enough it is noticeably weakened when they confine themselves to supplying harmonies to the solo part a much more vital work by the same composer is his variations on a theme by thomas tallis 
it is austere in conception and massive in design and beautiful as well and it could only have been written by one who fully understands the music of the old masters in its relation to present-day needs another composer with a personality and a brain which he knows how to use is gustav van holst who conducted three of his own works at these concerts a pair of eastern pictures for female voices and harp the mystic trumpeter and the cloud messenger his tests which latterly he has made himself are based on eastern writers and he knows how to fill his settings of them with a colour that though generally low-toned is always interesting and often beautiful in the cloud messenger he contrives to maintain throughout a definite atmosphere quite distinct from mere local colour and the way in which he sustains the interest is the more remarkable in view of the lowness of his tones he never hesitates to prolong a figure or a phrase indefinitely and yet it does not pall altogether this was a remarkable work perhaps the least satisfactory production of the whole series was granville bantock's fifine at the fair gifted with remarkable skill as an orchestrator he contrives to combine the maximum of instrumental parade with the very minimum of musical thought ideas there are in plenty but they are bad ones reduced to their lowest terms they hardly deserve consideration but they are tricked out so brilliantly as to deceive an unthinking audience after this heavy-handed commentary on browning it was a relief to listen to arnold bax's symphonic poem in the fairy hills though it fails a little in interest at the end mainly through looseness of harmonic structure it is an honest and on the whole successful attempt to express abstractions in the language of the orchestra the call on the horn does not represent as bantock would have made it do the actual notes of the fairy horn we hear it not as a tune but as a symbol similarly the little dance theme is not essentially a dancing tune but it conveys very clearly the idea of a fairy dance the treatment here can be contrasted with bantock's fair in fifine a jumble of blaring steam organs old men playing fiddles and little boys blowing penny whistles it is cleverly done but one has only to set beside it stravinsky's treatment of a similar idea in petruchka to see its absurdity several other composers were represented at these concerts among them delius and frederick austin the former by a revised version of his Lebenstanz and a pleasant early pianoforte concerto frederick austin's symphony deserves notice firstly because it was the only large orchestral work performed that had no programme attached to it this is a relief surely it is time we gave up labelling our music in this stupid way tiresome and misleading analogies between music and the other arts have led composers to depend for inspiration upon external stimuli upon which music need not depend any more than logic or mathematics secondly it was interesting because it was a definite attempt to solve in terms of music certain problems of musical thought and to prove that though the symphony with its conventions about subjects and keys is extinct yet it may be possible to revive the essential spirit that lies behind it in a less conventionalized form this is the second season of these performances 
what has been the net gain. The pond of English music has been considerably stirred up, and a deal of life and some weed brought to the surface. The really important thing is not so much that the public has been able to hear the works, though public recognition is important, but that all these composers have been able to hear each other. Meanwhile, for it all, they have to thank one man, who characteristically included only one, and that a very small one, of his own works at the tail end of the last concert. End of part 12